0: Hi and welcome back to 365 days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, videomaker, Oakland native, and lover of secrets. I'm also a big fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. Each day I'm gonna share a few of my favorite deep cuts for you. So let's take a look at today's stories. It's 365 with MXM Toon. New facts every day, so Today, in 1963, the CIA, or Central Intelligence Agency, began their Domestic Operations Division. At the time, it was envisioned as a division within the United States to figure out how foreign targets or citizens with bad motivations were operating internally. But the division was quickly curbed from many of its efforts because of constitutional protections against spying on American citizens. Today, the Domestic Operations Division— does things like recruit foreigners who are working in the united states in academia or the sciences to collect information for the cia when they return to their home countries but the cia is so much more than just one division and what the domestic operations division does relates to what the cia does as a whole so let's reverse and talk about what the cia does and how the cia got started in the first place The CIA's main focus is gathering of intelligence from both in the country and around the world, hence it being called the Central Intelligence Agency. It's also responsible for collecting security information from abroad. As you might guess from the CIA's portrayal in popular culture, some of the people who work for it are spies, and they work at home. Home as in America, not home as in work from home, from my bed like we all do right now. Or abroad to figure out what other countries are trying to do in secret. To a certain extent, the US has always engaged in strategic intelligence activities, but the operations became formalized and institutionalized during World War II after the Pearl Harbor attacks. Government documents revealed that the country and military could have been better prepared for a possible attack, and thus it was decided that this pursuit of foreign knowledge and plans needed to be taken more seriously to prevent further attacks in the future. But the CIA didn't get developed right away. Before the CIA, there was the Office of Strategic Services, or OSS. Franklin Delano Roosevelt established the OSS. He appointed a lawyer and veteran, William J. Donovan, or Wild Bill, to head up the new office. Donovan began training young officers to go abroad and trick foreign intelligence officials into giving them information, or spread false information about U.S. intelligence activities in the hopes that it would confuse foreign powers or lead them down the wrong track. They also attempted to recruit more people to the cause. Over 10,000 people worked for the new office in Washington, D.C., and then the many working abroad. After World War II and FDR's death, Harry Truman didn't think the office was necessary anymore, and he abolished it. But then the Cold War started, and Truman saw the error of his ways. He contacted former leaders of the OSS and helped them start two similar but very new organizations, the Central Intelligence Group and the National Intelligence Agency. Soon after, Congress followed up with the National Security Act, and between these three developments, the nation formed the National Security Council. Central Intelligence had two main areas of responsibility covert action and covert intelligence. Sidney Sowers, the first director of the Central Intelligence Group, pushed right away for the group to expand their forces deeply into the USSR. The organization set out to find everything they could about Soviet forces, not just in the USSR, but also in Central and Eastern Europe. In many ways, they were successful. And that they collected a plethora of information, but they also ended up with a lot of false information delivered by either misguided or rogue sources. Thus, the early years of the Cold War were smattered with failures for the CIA. The Soviet Union accomplished many military and strategic goals, like the takeover of Romania and Czechoslovakia, that experts think that they probably could have been prevented by better work coming out of the CIA. The CIA isn't all fun and games, though. Conspiracies about what the CIA does behind the scenes have been rampant basically ever since its inception. Some of the conspiracy theories about the CIA even turned out to be true, which of course is fuel for the fire, that the others might have some credence. For example, the CIA did end up being responsible for experimenting with LSD on unsuspecting citizens. In another instance that came true, the CIA was responsible for funding the Dalai Lama of Tibet in the 1960s. The CIA also attempted to investigate using weather control as a weapon, which I talk about a little more on our episode from November 13th about fake snow. But people also suspect the CIA of engineering the assassination of John F. Kennedy, for which there is very little concrete evidence. Though nobody knew at the time, the British liaison to the United States CIA was a Russian double agent named Kim Philby. The CIA coordinated a lot of operations through him, and of course, it's never a good thing when your operations are being coordinated by a double agent. Philby was also close personal friends with early CIA founder and officer James Jesus Angleton. Angleton was the head of staff at the CIA's Office of Special Operations, where he directed the obtaining of foreign intelligence and communicated with the foreign organizations that served the same functions as the CIA, hence the beginning of his relationship with Philby. The two became friends outside of work and socialized often, and this cast a negative light on Angleton once Philby had defected back to Russia. In the years since the Cold War, the CIA has once again begun to study the activities of countries all over the world, instead of the now defunct Soviet Union. They work on anti-terrorism and the challenges of the global tensions of a competing world against burgeoning countries like China and Russia. They also deal heavily with cybersecurity and digital information safety. It'll be interesting to see what this new Biden administration does with the organization. And for today's music fact, we have a very special guest, singer-songwriter Simone is here to talk about the release of her new single, out today, called Kissing Strangers. Hey, it's Simone. Today is February 11th, 2021, the day of the release for my newest single, Kissing Strangers. I'm so excited about this song. I wrote it early on in quarantine last year when I was watching a lot of TV. Um, specifically, I was re-watching my favorite show, New Girl, for like the seventh time, probably. I was inspired by a specific breakup that happens in the plot. This guy ends his relationship because he's scared and he thinks he's not good enough. I think as a songwriter and even as a human, it's hard to put yourself in the position of being like, maybe I'm the problem. I write a lot of songs about people that I felt have done me wrong, so it was interesting in writing from the perspective of the person that causes the wrongdoing. I love writing about TV shows and movies because I'm 16 and there's a lot of things I haven't experienced yet, so it's fun to live vicariously through characters. You can stream Kissing Strangers anywhere right now. Bye! Now for today's final segment, I'm going back into my own photo archives to see what I was up to on a February 11th in my life. On February 11th, 2020, I got a package from one of my dear friends, Robbie, aka Cavetown. Town. He sent me a little promotional package for his album Sleepyhead, which he was trying to promo at the time. Uh, it came with a bunch of really cute stuff. It came with these little like candy hearts that had different sayings on it that were tailored for Sleepyhead album. I have slippers that have sleepy on one slipper and head on the other, and I wear them around my apartment now. It came with a sleeping mask and a puzzle for the album art of Sleepyhead. Robbie is um, an incredible musician. I've had the pleasure of working with him on multiple occasions, and uh, that album is one of the best things that I've, I've gotten to listen to as a listener. So big shout out to Robbie. Thank you for going back in time with me, and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can come back tomorrow for more facts from yesterday. It's 365 with MXM2. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff, no it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365.